Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 282, covering One and Hope and Fear. Hi friends, we're recording in the evening and I'm all out of sorts. We are recording in the evening and I fixed myself a drink. Oh, so are you going to get progressively more, like, uh, happy? Uh, angry? I don't know. Like, what is... We're, we're gonna. Is it going to we're we're gonna find out together how uh, okay. how alcohol reacts to Voyager for Matt. Because the thing is, I've been around you in fun social situations, and you get a little little tipsy, and you get happy. Mm-hmm. But that's because you're around your friends. That is true. Now, like you, you were talking about Voyager, so if you're angry, you might get more angry. I don't know. <laughs> let, let let me let me tell you, I J- Cap, Captain Janeway, you're Chicote. I I love you more, Chicote. Listen. You you're you're so close to a good character. You tr- no, he's not. You just you just you don't try and you don't care. Yeah. You don't try and you don't care. Uh, the the interesting thing is, I I happened to watch these with uh, uh, our friend Nate, who's yes. been on the show a few times and is a noted uh, Harry Kim enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And I was just screaming at Harry the entire time for both episodes because we've got this whole baggage from you know four seasons now oh sure our our harry kim is a piece of shit baggage yeah and and uh, nate just kind of walked in at the end of this at at episode 100 or so and didn't really didn't really understand you know whence the aggression why do you guys hate harry kim so much well you haven't Uh, been here yeah Trust us. Busy. Th- Nate used trust- to be a regular guest, yeah. but Nate doesn't have time to, to be on the show right now. He's he's uh, gone on to great success, and he's moving yeah. across Canada, and, and we wish him nothing but the best. But he hasn't been able to be on the show, so he doesn't know, you know. He just doesn't know. No, listen, fucking, we, we, if you've been here for every episode, you'll know that Harry Kim is a garbage man who works in a garbage factory. Yeah, and we've we've built quite a solid case for him. Yes, I would say. No, at this point, I don't think. I think if you are listening to the show regularly, you do not need any kind of explanation as to why Harry Kim is fucking terrible. No. Also, uh, recently heard from a new listener on Twitter this week. I and that's remains my favorite thing. Oh no, totally. Writes to us or tweets at us or whatever and says, "Hey, I I just discovered the show and I'm enjoying it or whatever." Um. And uh, he said, yeah, I, I really enjoy your, your coverage of Deep Space Nine, but I don't get any of your references. Yeah. And I said, OK, 25 percent Simpsons, 25 uh, percent uh, Homestar Runner, 50 yep. percent stupid shit. We said in other episodes. Yep. Oh, and uh, MST. Don't forget MST. Oh, yeah. And, and a handful of MST. Yeah. Episodes. The, the five MST episodes I've seen. Right. Whatever five episodes of MST I got I had on video when we started doing the show. I just happened to watch The Brute Man again uh, yesterday. That's a good one. It's a good one because it's, as far as I know, the only time Mike Nelson actually loses his shit in the theater. That is a that is great. You got to watch for it. Yep. But there's a character that he finds super amusing, and you see the silhouette of him doubling over. Like, he, you lose his head for a minute because he's bending forward, like, laughing. Al, are you referring to that? Ah, creeper, creeper, creeper. That's the one. Yeah. All right, we got we to gotta talk about Voyager. No, all right. Before you get too drunk, why don't you give us your summary? You want to hear about one? One. The, the loneliest episode? The, uh, no, no. One is the loneliest Voyager that you've what? ever do. Much better. Uh-huh. All right, go for it. All right, so Voyager runs smack dab into a sector full of the pink mood slime from the third best Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters 2. And instead of a rousing chorus of your love is lifting me higher, they decide to tunnel right right on through it. Unfortunately, the slime is poisonous to non-holographic or sexy Borg members of the crew. So the plan, stick the crew in Voyager's deep freeze, Captain America style, and wake them up when they're safe. Or if it's the 60s, uh, whichever comes first. So... Seven and the Doctor take over the ship and make it exactly three days before the Doctor is drawing a chalk line through the center of the ship. Meanwhile, the mood slime is degrading Voyager, resulting in a lot of broken crap around the place, which puts Seven in mechanic mode. 
And then some weirdo boards the ship and starts creeping around, and Seven starts going full-on Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Luckily, before she can bury an axe in the Doctor, he goes offline and Seven has to find a jazz man to murder. And then some more stuff breaks, the boiler starts overloading, and Seven has to race to save the crew from defrosting. She eventually sacrifices herself to save the crew, but then it turns out she's still alive, so party's all around. Also, it turns out that the creeper guy was actually a, was actually not real. Creeper, creeper, creeper. <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, I, we did not refer, I, and I, by we, I mean me and Nate and Amanda, who, I, again, I watched it with the nice little group of, uh, of friends, which is always better than having to suffer through Voyager. Yeah, alone. no one needs to, no one should have to watch Voyager alone. Yeah. Um, uh, we, rather than uh, thinking of the mood slime, which I understand why you went to that, because your mind goes to Ghostbusters metaphors. Pretty I much that. constantly, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and now you have three movies to pick from instead of two, so that's good. And I like all of them. Yeah, good. Um, uh, we we just called it the Headache Nebula. Yeah, because it was a nebula that gave them headaches. Not very, not a very creative name, but still pretty accurate. Well, they they also do start to rot if the if left in the Headache Nebula for too long. Do they rot? I mean, I know one of them got like a nosebleed, and the rotting stuff happened later in the episode, but that all ended up being magic dream hallucination crap. No, no, you can see Harry breaks out in a rash of some sort of boily crap. That might just be because he's finally hit puberty. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, well, I, I kind of didn't notice that because that's just, my brain is just like, good. That's, I've been wishing for that, and they, they got my wishes. There's just, there's just like a, there's, there's like a, there's almost like a thumb just covering mm. Harry Kim at all times at this point. I, that's basically me looking at the screen and going, nope, don't want to look at him. I don't need yeah, this yeah. in my life. Nope, I'm crushing your head, Harry. Captain, I'm breaking out in some kind of weird acne or something. Oh, Harry, that just means you're becoming a man. Finally. Okay. 27 no. years old. No, and, and the Voyager head office says, no, he will never be a man. He will never be promoted, and he will never be a man. It... I, I, I like that we've uh, that we've basically decided that Harry Kim will never be promoted, but it makes me sad that like the higher ups at Voyager just decided, no, you're Chekhov. You'll never do better than this. Yeah. As much as I Harry Kim, as much as I hate Harry Kim, no one should be sentenced to be Chekhov. No. Definitely not. No. A anyway, so this episode, I uh, I didn't really care for it. There, it's. Almost a good episode, but, like, it's... Well, I mean, look, this is my bad thing. Mm -hmm. The episode gets really close to being great. Like, I I love... There's a there's a tradition of um, just that being alone in deep space thing. And I, like... Oh, I mean, I mean, the whole idea of space, you know, like, this, this hollow, you know, tin can being the only thing between you and utter infinite emptiness. Like, it's... it's it lends itself to that. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're so close to having an episode that I actually think is cool and interesting. Mm -hmm. And th they just end up just sort of dick having seven dicking around on the ship. Voyager it up. Well, yeah, exactly. They voyagered this episode. Once again, shockingly like so many examples of this. Hey, that's a good premise on paper. Oh, you did that, huh? Yeah. No, I, like, and I, I also really like the idea of seven, the character who doesn't like anyone on the ship. Has, yeah. like, this begrudging respect for Janeway that we'll get to in the next episode. But otherwise, doesn't really want to be here. Doesn't really like anyone. And having having someone go, okay, we're gonna all we're all going into stasis for a month, so you'll basically have the ship to yourself. I can just I can just see Seven in her head just going into full-on Tom Cruise dancing in his underwear mode. It's like, finally, I don't have to talk to these idiots. Harry Kim isn't going to hit on me every morning and then single and then run away like and then run away like a, like a mouse who has been hit with a tin can. He, the thing is, like, I, I, you're, you're right about all that just character wise, but also thematically, they've been dealing with the idea of her coming to terms with being an individual mm -hmm. the whole season. And it's a nice payoff to that in theory. It's a good, like, okay, you're an individual. There are no other voices now. Yep. Like, you're always talking about how comforting it is to have other voices, and now there are none. Yep. And that could, in theory, be cool. Like, here's the ultimate statement of being an individual because you have no support system anymore. It's all just you. Yeah. And you, it's just like your final exam for being an individual. And it could have been cool, but... Yeah, they, there, there's, like... Again, the concept, the, con the concept is a good one. It's just, you know... 
like it just turns into weird alien dude taunting her for the entire episode and then well, and this, like this is this is my bad thing i feel like the story could have been so good if it was just seven trying to take care of the ship while everyone's in stasis and you got plenty of things that can go wrong mm-hmm. and plenty of situations she can deal with and have the doctor her there for her to talk to for a while or her logs like there's plenty of ways to tell that story yeah you could have like you could have uh, the the movie gravity with sandra bullock or like uh, uh castaway you know like the story of one person struggling to survive and and keep it interesting mm-hmm. We didn't need the extra element of her hallucinating magic dream bullshit. That's, like, yeah. The, the the nebula that they're in causes everyone to, to, like, physically just have horrible symptoms and they have to go into stasis, which is cool. And then it starts affecting the gel packs in the ship, you know, the living organs that we occasionally remember line the walls of Voyager. Yeah, in case you forgot, um, the walls of Voyager are full of organs. I guess. Just, like, big human organs that are, like, constantly pumping blood throughout Voyager, I imagine. They only remind us of this when the story takes a stupid turn like this, like when the ship got a cold. Yeah, it's it's been a while since the ship got sick. Can we do that again? And thankfully they didn't do a thing where the ship went insane, because I thought that's where it was going. Oh, yeah. But basically she went insane, and most of what happened in the episode didn't happen, and I'm just so tired of... It all being a dream, or it all yeah. being a hallucination, or it all being a hologram. Like, I I don't mind a flight of fancy every now and then, but so often whatever happens on the show didn't happen, and I'm just sick of it. You well, know? the thing is, like, I'm all down for the occasional flight of fancy if it's well yeah, like executed. Once a season, let's say. But, it, like, it's never executed well. It's always the same boring crap that Brandon Braga thinks is scary. Uh, in fairness, he didn't write this one. This was all Jerry Taylor. Yeah, well, I still I still picture him hanging over Jerry Taylor's shoulders going, uh, make more people, make more voices echoing in the darkness. People think that's terrifying. I mean, probably that, but I mean, it is a writer's room with a handful of staff writers all contributing, mm. and the, the, the credit goes to the one who does the most work, I think. But still, I gotta give credit where it's due, and he was a major factor in the next episode, which I liked. Yeah, I don't know how to deal I just, with that. I, I want to be fair, yeah, yeah. But but on the other hand, it sure did feel like one of his. Ugh. No, it just it, it's though it's what I was talking about last week, and I'm really trying to quantify this because I don't want to every week just say, "Oh, and Voyager sucked again." Like I want to say why, because that's the point of having a critical show. Yeah, exactly. But it's like I I don't know. It's something about the way they execute their ideas is just. Okay, here's the standard mold. Pour this idea into this exact shape we do every single time. It's it's just if it it, it feels like they're not like th- they they're do not trying? exactly. It's the it's the like they're phoning it in. Yeah, it's how can we do this in the most boring, run of the will '90s way possible? Well, the thing is, they think they're. Bl- I mean, we say blow their minds like it's become a cliche for us to say that now. But oh, really, that's all blow because- their minds is because they keep trying to surprise us with the same elements. And even people who don't watch every single episode and study every single detail are still going to catch on to your formula after, you know, a hundred episodes or whatever. It's yeah. Been. Like it's, it's just uh, like guys that I know you can do a good job. I've seen you do a good job. Yeah. There's good. There's chunks of season four that are really good. Star Trek. Yes, absolutely. You're, like you're so close to doing it, to, to getting say, it. I'd say so far we've had at least ten or fifteen really good episodes of this show. Absolutely. Enough that it's not just a fluke. Enough that it's not just like a stopped clock thing. Like they 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 do know what they're doing when they try. Yeah, and I keep coming back to this. I like these characters. I want to see these characters get up to adventures. I yeah. love Seven. I think she's a great character. Yeah. Like. There, there's so much interesting stuff to be mined from an episode about her being stuck alone on the ship with just the doctor and then not even the doctor for company. And, and to her credit, to, to Jerry Ryan's credit, there, she did really well. Like there were some scenes oh, yeah. where it was the same standard stuff, but we saw like I was totally sold on her being terrified. And that's not an emotion she's played yet. Yeah. And she did it well. And it was a little unsettling having seen her for 24 episodes so far. And for the first time seeing her look scared, it was like, oh, 
that's that's pretty cool. Also, I'm going to say this right now. Um, tremendous uh, jump up from the last shitty episode with Seven of Nine, where the Doctor actually believes that she's seeing a alien on the ship who must have an advanced cloaking device because that's why he keeps disappearing so well. I'm going to just say maybe that whole experience should just be stricken from the record. God, please. I just don't want to. And, and that said, my good thing actually is that dude. Yeah. The alien dude who beams aboard, who I guess didn't even exist. No, it was uh, as far most as of what happened was in her mind. As far as I can tell, that was just like her hallucinating, which is too bad because like the idea is they're cruising through this chunk of the Delta Quadrant that no one's been able to get through before. Mm-hmm. And this dude's coming through it from the other side. Yeah. And he's made it further from the other direction than anyone has before, but no one's made it all the way through before. And he's like, whoa, hey, uh, you want to trade supplies? Because it takes a month to get through here. And like, I'm out of this and you're out of this. So let's trade. Like that was, I bought it. Yeah. And part of the story. I, and his whole deal is she's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, I want to be the first person to get through this cloud of pink goo. Yeah. And they're like, we got to get home. And that's a that's a whole other problematic thing about the way space works. And like, okay, can't you go up? I mean, like, yes, it's just, I think they mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's like, we can go up, but it'll add like two years to the, the trip. I, just, I feel like there's a direction they can go. You know what I mean? Like, they always think in terms of we can't go, uh, like, we're going west and there's a blo- there's a, there's something in our way in the direction of west. Okay, then go up and around. Yeah, you, know what they, I mean? they, like, you have a spaceship. You can move in three dimensions. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's just a minor nitpick. <laughs> are, really are all of you piloted by Khan? Like... <laughs> yeah, apparently so. But the thing is, honestly, I, I do like the idea of there's this chunk of the Delta Quadrant that just all the locals are just like, yeah, nobody can go get through that. We're just, it's like, we're stuck. I just, and, I want to see them pull up to, like, a space station and just have a guy come out. Yeah, you try to get through that, uh, the pink space, huh? Woods. People have been trying to get through there nigh on 3,000 years. It's it's just the astro-navigation equivalent of haunted woods. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I like the idea of, of meeting this guy in there who's trying to get through from the other side. But he's not real, but whatever. But, like, he, the dude was genuinely creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a real milady vibe about him. Yeah which is a type of creepy we don't see on purpose much. Like, Dom Paris had a bit of that in the beginning, but that he, we, he was supposed to be a good guy, and they just... Yeah, failed. they eventually got rid of that, and rightly so. But this dude totally was, like, subtly creeping on her, and then it got less subtle as he hung around. Yeah. And, like, it was un, like, it was unsettling. It was like, oh, stop it. Just stop. Hey, you, uh... So, no one else on your ship, huh? Like, no one else at all? Yeah. Go away. Go, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I found him genuinely creepy. You're it, like the human parts. equivalent of seeing a spider in the bathroom at three in the morning. Yeah, exactly. I, it just, he was genuinely creepy when he was interacting with her. But then there were times where he was just a, a voice and I expected him to go, la, 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 yeah. la. You know what I mean? Like no, then he, he descended he, into like those horror. Yeah. He just turns into full on like shittiest Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger mode. I, or rip off of that even. Yeah, exactly. Like, not, like even, not even as not good even as the that. bad Nightmare on Elm Street movies, which were fun cartoons. Yes. Like, just rip off of that. <laughs> no one on this ship is going to be welcoming anyone to prime time, bitch. Yeah. But it was it was a little dumb. Yeah. I, I For a little while there, I found him creepy, and that's yeah. I, I legitimate good thing. That being said, and again, I don't want to dwell on this fucking episode of no. Voyager from a couple of weeks ago. What the fuck was it called? Um... I don't remember offhand. Shitty, I seriously don't. The shitty, the the shitty rapey episode. Um, yeah. That all being said, I can totally see how this is how, what Seven imagines as like something scary after watching that episode. Yeah, I saw that in your notes. That is an excellent point. That is what her subconscious would dredge up as like, something that she would not want to run into again. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't want to dwell on this too much because yeah. fucking you heard the episode. I hate that. Th- I hate that whole thing so much. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, that sounds like something she would fucking be afraid of. Yep, that and being alone. Yeah. Which she had. They did do that thing they do, and we get this in both the episodes, where the the teaser sort of hinted at what the episode was about, Mm -hmm. because we have her, the doctor doing a simulation of a social interaction, and her still not being good at it, and then in the episode, her not being able to do anything. Like, with anyone, because they're all asleep. Yeah. And it's like, 
Like, okay, we need to ratchet up the irritation. So, computer, Neelix. <laughs> oh, hey, I heard you needed to be irritated by someone. How can I help? Oh, no, the computer just knows. <laughs> computer just is uh, irritating. We know what that is. I can help you out but, there. But there's a point in that simulation where she starts talking to the captain and she actually engages the captain because they're talking about work. And the doctor's like, no, talking about work doesn't count. Hey, fuck you. Yeah, that really Not bugged everyone relates in the same superficial way. Some people prefer to talk work. That really bugged me too. Like, it's like, dude. I mean, I'm one of those people. I, per- I You know me. I'm yeah. much happier when I'm doing something than I am when I'm just not doing something it's like dude she found a way in she is working with the captain and one of the other crew members i can't remember who but like she's actually making progress here this is great and then you come up like no this isn't what you should be talking you're talking about work well man like she's that really that really struck a nerve with me because i most of the socializing i do is this yeah this is how i spend time with my friend matt it's it's work but it's still enjoyable. I'm spending time with my friend Matt, and I feel like I'm doing something. Aww. That's just that works for me. Al, Whereas, I enjoy spending time with you too. Oh, well, thank you. But I, I, and I'm serious. But like when I'm just sitting, or like I can't do the sitting around socializing thing for too long. I just feel I, I'm just that kind of a person. No, I know. I know like exactly that. what you mean. It's like okay, we've been talking for long enough. I should probably be working on something. Yeah, I, and I know you're not like that, but I appreciate that. You know that I am. You know I what I'm no, like, I t- I get the it. Doctor, but the doctor doesn't see that about seven is my point. Yeah. There are people who are like that. And as a person who is like, that, it's like when you see, uh, you know, anxiety that, uh, specific to the type of anxiety you experience mm-hmm. represented on TV. You're like, yes, exactly. Yep. And it's that kind of thing. It's like, hey, come on. This is her way in. This is the way she socializes. Don't criticize. Yeah, that. no, dude, this is working here. Like she's connecting with people like she's they making progress common. she's being pleasant although i'm going to say this right now i mean again like we get back to seven being taught how to be human by a hologram so i i see i like the irony of that mm-hmm. no i think basically... I, I think it's great it's just like the point the fact that it's not working makes a lot of sense too <laughs> yeah because he doesn't know what he's doing yeah but he thinks he's he does because he's the fucking because he's the doctor like oh i know exactly how to be human i've been human I'm... since the ter- first time they turned me on I was talking to somebody about this, and I don't know if it was intentional, but I feel like they've put Spock and Data together because you have your character who isn't human and really, really wants to be, Mm -hmm. and you have your character who is part human and doesn't want to be at all. Yeah. And one of them is teaching the other. Yeah. And I really like that. Like, it it reminds me of those two characters. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's a nice take on, like, it's a nice take on Data versus, versus Spock. Yeah, because you got both. You got one who is part human who doesn't even want to be. Mm-hmm. Which I love that the other one who really isn't human is trying to teach her how to be human, and she's, biologically speaking, more human than he ever will be. Yes, but, you know, so. raised by Borg, that'll that'll mess you up a little bit. Yeah, a little, little bit. A little tiny bit. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I like the idea of stasis in general. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a thing we don't see in Star Trek much, and it's a big science fiction idea on ships that travel long distances i'm surprised like space seed is the only time i can think of where it's actually come up well i mean i'm sure that that was that was why starfleet's like yeah we're probably not gonna do that no no i get that but it's cool that it was an option it's Mm -hmm. cool that they had the technology and they could do it if they needed to yeah It's, it's one of those things like you know you hear about one day if we actually do get outside the solar system we're probably gonna have sleeper ships because we can't go faster than light yeah exactly it's it's a nice you know it's it's part of a lot of science fiction and it was a, it was just a nice thing to see. Well, and I I also like that because um, obviously my first thought upon seeing that is like, well, how come you haven't been in sleeper since the start of this? Well, because the second you do that, something's going to go wrong. Oh, of course. Like I, I mean, they run into something literally every week, which yeah. you know is because they're on a TV show. But still, yeah, exactly. But I mean, still, you know, you, if you're out floating around in Star in the Star Trek universe where every other planet's populated and the place is full of assholes, like, yeah, you're going to be out there for 10 minutes before someone tries to steal your ship. Yeah, it's not like you're going to be Ripley dr- drifting out there for 50 years or whatever. It yeah. Was. Although I, I thought about that a lot when I had when uh, Paris is like, I don't think I want to go to sleep. I liked that. Yeah. That was a nice like it didn't feel right for him, but I I, I bought it. No, I. But it's like. 
he's a pilot and he's often going to be crammed into tiny spaces flying a thing and it just felt weird but he was claustrophobic and <laughs> over the course of their of their cryo sleep for a month or whatever it was he kept getting out yeah, he escaped like four times i think they find out at the end <laughs> and i thought that was part of her hallucination and i'm glad they clarified at the mm. end because i kind of like that being a thing like that one of them and again it was weird that it was him but i just like that one person just subconsciously kept trying to get out. No, what I like about that is that it, like, it actually makes a lot of sense with Paris because it means he's not, like, he's not in control of what's going on. That makes sense. He's yeah. like, he's subconsciously trying to get out so he can steer the ship. I guess that may, yeah. Okay, I can see that. I just thought of it more in terms of the claustrophobia. Yeah, no, I thought the same thing. And my note to that. pilots shuttles and things like that. Yeah. And those are small spaces. Yeah, you know? no, and my note to that was you fucking live on a spaceship. Like, how can you be claustrophobic? Well, I mean, I can still see that because the spaceship is still huge, but like he's been in pods and, mm-hmm. and and shuttles and presumably other things. Well, I mean, we had a great like Garrick is claustrophobic and he lives on a space station. It's the same thing. Yeah, but it but like, again, it's him that's losing got a lot of people in it, and you can easily fool yourself into thinking it's big. Oh, I'm just I just live in a mall. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what was your good thing? Oh, what's my good thing? Let me see here. I actually had a couple. Yeah, you did. No, I like this one quite a bit. Um, So, rotting guilt Janeway is basically the perfect face for Seven's mistakes. I like that quite a bit. They're actually, they. I would say, like, that feeds into, like, overall, there were times where they got the nightmare vibe down better than they usually do. Mm-hmm. And your mom looking right at you and saying, you have failed me and I'm disappointed in you is a super, like, yeah, no, fucking good nightmare thing. Like, actively falling apart Janeway, just going to, to Seven, you're the reason I'm, you're the reason my jaw's falling off, Seven. We trusted you. Why didn't you do a better job? They haven't been at all subtle about the mother, mother-daughter mother thing. Mm. There. Like they, and it'll come up again in the next episode. Like, she's straight up her mom. Yeah. Well, and and like, was, I like that. There are two people on the ship that Jane or that uh, Seven likes: uh, Janeway and Tuvok. She likes the Doctor, okay, I think. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Like it's kind of a rolling her eyes and and tolerating him, but I feel like she wouldn't tolerate him nearly as much if she didn't want to. Yeah, just in like, well, we work together like every day. I mean, I have but, to like you at least a little bit. But she doesn't really work with the Doctor that much. She works with him in terms of being coached into being human. Yeah, but that's a. That's an off-duty thing. Well, and that sort of turned into, like, his latest project. Right. But no, she absolutely is a good, like, nightmare image for, yeah. for Seven to have. I buy that way more than, say, Harry going, like, why did you leave me to die? Well, have you met you, Harry? Yeah. Hi, I'm Matt. I do a uh, Star Trek <laughs> podcast. I'd leave you to die in, like, a second because you're the worst. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, even in a in an episode where everything's fine and nothing really goes wrong, I still just want to leave him to die. Somewhere. Yeah, no, no. This episode went by without a hitch. Um, we had a little time. We spent a little time with the Kazon, and Harry got left to die because he's just terrible. Because he's Harry. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is what he deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you had a couple other like uh, tertiary. Oh yeah. Uh, um. Well. So and Jerry Ryan still really mm-hmm. good in this. I don't at this point. I don't feel the need to really comment on how good Jerry Ryan is. No, but she did some stretching, like we said earlier. Mm-hmm. She did some things we haven't seen her do before. I just as a character who was basically hired to be the hot chick, you know, like yeah. and we've talked about this again. She's amazing. She does like such a good job of like being completely alone and like terrified. Just like well, and we. We talk about how much the show phones it in. We just talked about that. And, like, they could have just cast somebody who was pretty who had no acting ability just because that's what they wanted. But I give the casting people, whoever was in charge of that, credit. Like, she's great, but they chose someone who wasn't just pretty but also a good actor, which is good on them. Yeah. Like, I'm glad they did that. And eventually I'll stop being like, Jerry Ryan's great. But right now, you know. She this this episode is basically her one year anniversary and yeah you're great Jerry Ryan two thumbs up. Also the episode largely focused on just her so like it's a thing we kind of have to talk about. Yeah. Well, like it's like I said before there's a handful of movies that do it well like uh, uh, Gravity with Sandra Bullock and uh, Castaway with Tom Hanks. I'm sure there's others that I'm not thinking of but movies where a huge chunk of it is one person mm-hmm. versus their environment and. The actor really has to carry that or it's going to suck. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if if you throw someone who's not up to the challenge in that, it is going to be a boring ass story. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, she was definitely up to it. Yeah. No. 
Uh, Two thumbs up. You had a Jerry Ryan. Another thing. Oh, and yeah, the fucking the the pink slime nebula, fucking gorgeous. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of cool looking space. I think it's now that they've made the switch to to more computer generated stuff. They've really they've nailed just the the CGI is really on point at this at, at this point in the series. Like, yeah, I mean we got we got species eight whatever who like wasn't super great. Like, good try. Mm-hmm. But the space stuff, all the spaceships and all the backgrounds for the spaceships look so much oh, yeah. more gorgeous than we've ever seen before. And we'll get into this a little bit more in the next episode, too, because goddamn, I love the design on the new ship that's going to show up. Really? Under- oh, yeah. I didn't. I th- we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But um, but it, just in terms of, and it, it, it adds to the fact that the Delta Quadrant is a different place we haven't seen before mm. because everything looks just a little more, you know, beautiful. Yeah. Which I like. No, and I, like, that's a thing that I am a, like, I'm just a big fan of space looking, uh, I'm a big fan of space porn, basically. Yeah, me too. You want to show me a real life, like, Hubble pictures, I, I love that. Oh, show. yeah. Have you seen, we, we sent a probe to, um, Jupiter, um, that just got there, uh, I want to say a week or two ago, not very long ago. I have It's called Juno, which is apparently a, a myth reference that I don't get, but apparently it's funny if you know the mythology stuff. That's a reference but, um, to the movie Juno. Uh, of course. They sent, so a, they, they sent a pregnant uh, Ellen Page into space. Sure. Um, but uh, it's the, you, you should check this out if you, if you were unaware of this. Mm. It's got pictures of Jupiter from angles we've never gotten before. Oh, cool. Like from the pole, like basically the bottom of Jupiter. I mean, I know yeah. there's no bottom in space, but like we always look at it. So it's like the great red spot is like in the middle. It's like up. Yeah, it's like and we're taking a picture from the bottom of the sphere instead. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole different just like pattern of weird clouds and shit. Oh, that's so cool. And that planet is just as like a planet that is just a storm all the time. That is yeah. so fucking cool. It is. And uh, also, if you're if you're really into this stuff look at uh there's a, like a little animated gif that shows how it got there like the slingshot uh picking up speed like they they shot it i'm gonna get this wrong please don't correct me i'm going on memory here but like look it up they i think they slingshot around the sun and then it comes back around and slingshots around earth again mm-hmm. so it gets more speed like each time like it shoots around the sun and then it shoots around us to pick up more speed and then right. it hits jupiter and then it and travels back in the... time to the 1980s of course but if you think about all the math involved of, like, slinging around two different things that are moving to hit a third thing that, you know. Yeah. Hitting a hitting a bullet with another bullet <laughs> whilst riding a horse <laughs> blindfolded. It's just, wow. It was just, it was so cool. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Anyway. If you're, if you're wondering if two guys who really like Star Trek are into space crap, uh, yes. Of course we are. Yeah. I, it's just hasn't been much to look at. No, unfortunately. But uh, there's there's this. Like cool. that's really neat. Yeah, I want a good look at like you know, I want a good look at like the big the the great red spot of Jupiter. Like yeah, I we've seen like our solar system from kind of one vantage point forever, and it's nice to get up close and look at it. You know, from different angles. Yeah, it's like if you grab me, like Matt, explain the solar system. Well, um, I remember my grade four, the giant poster I had in my classroom in grade four. Will that mm-hmm. help you out? No, we, Let's see. we we've uh, we've come pretty Mars far. Mars was from in that. Total Recall, so I know there's Mars. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Three Stooges went to Venus. So. Yeah, uh, Uranus is the one about butts, so I know yeah. that one. Uh huh. Some people say Uranus, which is then it's about PP. Yep. Um, let's see. Oh, and, uh, uh, Scratchy got killed on Saturn, so I know that yeah. one. Oh, and Pluto doesn't count anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right. Anyway, uh, anything more about this episode? Uh, let me just have a quick look at my notes, and no. Okay. You got a quote? I do have a quote, which is Seven being completely done with this bullshit. I believe I am overdue for my weekly medical maintenance. We should go. Seven, you've never volunteered for a checkup before. It is preferable to remaining here. Your note says seven bales, and I read it as seven balls. Like, I don't remember seven balls. <laughs> How many balls were in this episode, Matt? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> All right. Pushing forward now to hope and fear. Uh, Kate is working on decrypting that message they received from Starfleet like ten episodes ago, and apparently she's been decrypting it this whole time, like between scenes or whatever. 
I mean, that makes a lot more sense than the most important thing they've ever gotten being stuck on the back burner while Harry goes to play in a puddle of glam armis. <laughs> Seriously, Gav, thanks for that. <laughs> anyway, they're still having trouble cracking the message until they meet a dude on one of their many Neelix-based trading missions. The dude's name is Arturis, which, in a rare break from form, sounds like an 80s sci-fi name instead of the usual 90s names like Jabin and Tedrin. Arturus is from a race with a particular aptitude for languages, so he immediately picks up English, Klingon, and the unique whining-based language of the special boy. <laughs> also, he can almost immediately translate the Starfleet message, so that's pretty cool. The message directs them to a set of coordinates where they find a never-before-seen Federation ship waiting for them, the Slipstream Drive-powered USS Dauntless, which Starfleet has sent here to Uber the guys all home. Uh, th that is what Uber does, right? I'm still not completely clear on this as a adult who owns a car anyway everyone's cautiously optimistic because surely this football will get us home to the alpha quadrant and lucy's definitely not going to be yanking it away at the last possible minute wait no that's exactly what happens turns out arturus comes from a society that managed to avoid the borg and was waiting out the whole species 80085 thing except kate helped the borgs defeat species ou818 so now the borg are fine and oops they killed arturus's guys and he's none too pleased about that so he's concocted this elaborate ruse to drag the Voyager crew back into Borg space to be assimilated. Except Arturus forgot one thing. When you assimilate, you make an ass out of I, me, and your mate. <laughs> Actually, that's not quite right, but I wish it was. Anyway, the Voyager, managed, the Voyager crew managed to stop him and everything goes back to the way it was. And also it's the end of the season and there's no to-be-continued happening, which is weird. Maybe they blew their two-parter wad on the killing game. I hope they didn't blow their two-parter wad on the killing game. I think they did. Oh. I think, I, I, I think it's like, hey, we could do a big... Oh, no, never mind. We just did that. Guys, we got just enough budget set aside for what? Oh, the World War II episode? Seriously? That was a two-parter? Oh. All right. This will be mostly a bottle ship with some uh, a, a new CG ship model and one new bridge, and that's it. All right. Well, bring me Ray Wise, and I'll tape up his forehead a little bit. <laughs> oh, Laura. My Laura. Mercy notes and dozy notes a little. <laughs> I just rewatched Twin Peaks, and I saw the uh, recent animated adaptation of The Killing Joke in which he plays Commissioner Gordon. Well, that's not bad casting at all. If you want someone to wail about the fate of his daughter... Barbara! Barbara! My you Barbara really used right to sing that. and dance. She used to run and play. Yep. So, uh, you know, good choice there. But really, uh, this is your good thing. That's my ba good thing, basically. Is, this, is that uh, Ray Wise plays the uh, alien dude, and it's always nice to watch him freak the fuck out. No one freaks the fuck out quite like Ray Wise freaks the fuck out. In well, fact, he, was, he was, as we said, the father of dead Laura Palmer in uh, Twin Peaks. Leland Palmer, uh, the amazing Leland Palmer. Yes. He also last seen on Star Trek as, I don't remember his character's name, but he was one of the Vulcanoids on... The planet, uh, uh, who watches the Watchers? Episode oh, where they uh, all, yeah, uh, uh, worship Captain Picard. Yeah, no, I I watched this episode and then I immediately went to YouTube to watch him sing and dance on Twin Peaks. Yeah, uh, he's he's fantastic. He's been in a million things, but those are the things we know him. I mean, yeah, look, he's been in a million things, but like, yeah, oh, no, if, if you want to if you want to watch him go insane, yeah, Twin Peaks is a show that exists. Yep. Twin Peaks is a show that we should do this podcast on when we finish. I mean, I would enjoy that. It's aged a lot better than I thought. I When I did my rewatch recently, I thought, oh, God, this is going to really be dated. And it was. I mean, I, I fast forwarded a bit. but uh, Well, look, no one wants to watch What's-His-Face going yeah, to James, not... James Hurley's other town adventure. Oh, God, it's so fucking bad. Yep. But no, Raywise was great. And actually, the alien design on him, I really liked a lot, too. He I did, like, too. Uh, he reminded me of the Talosians from uh, the Cage. He yeah, had the big sort of bulbous, classic alien bulbous head. It's like it's it's like this this week they were like, let's not try too hard with the alien design, but instead of just slapping like a weird crease on the forehead, they actually like made a like he looks kind of cool. Well, the thing is, like, you don't have to put a ton of effort into it. Like, it's not. It's not the amount of latex you slather on their face. It's the design. Yeah, like, exactly. You don't have to put a ton of effort into it. You just do a good design and it can be minimalist. Yeah, he's like, he's, he ended up being like a white dude version of a gray alien almost. I could see that. With he, Like I said, he really reminded me of the Telosians. The, the big thing for me was I didn't actually facially recognize him as Ray Wise. As soon as he opened his mouth, I knew it was him. Oh, yeah. But like looking at it, because he didn't have eyebrows or they painted over his eyebrows or whatever. But he like... 
I didn't realize that was one of the distinctive parts of his face that when it's gone, I didn't recognize. Oh, no. Ray Wise has eyebrows for days. Like, I, I can't picture it in my head right now, but like not having them really threw me off. And like that, that's not him. Yeah. Is, oh, yeah, it's him. No, that's yeah. Let him cry for you a little bit. You'll catch up. The thing is, he was playing super like stoic, like Vulcan type calm. Like, yes, I'm the, I'm the language guy. I can help you. I mean, right up to the end. No, no. Then he went nuts uh-huh. like, in the last act, which was great. Yep. The thing is, we both did the same thing. The writing credit came up, and it's Brandon Braga, Joe Manoski, and Rick Berman. Yep. It's like, oh, boy. Here we fucking go. But I unqualified like this episode. Like, oh, yeah. It, not good except. Like, I had a small problem with it for my bad thing, but that's it. Like, and really, this is my good thing. I Like, when that came up, I was ready for a real Craptoberfest. Mm-hmm. Like, this was a good episode. Like... In particular, I thought uh, Ray Wise's character, Arturus, I thought his motives made sense. Oh, yeah. Like, so often we have people, like, antagonists, just like, what? why are you doing? Like, the, the time guy. Mm-hmm. Wh- who we liked. Like, we liked the character. Well, yeah. didn't really understand a lot of what he was doing. Whereas this guy, like, we've always said we love it when the captains do a thing that is a hard choice and then ride off into the sunset and think they don't have to deal with it again, and then it comes back to bite them later. Yeah. This is one of those times. Like, Kate knew it was super risky to help the Borg, and while it helped her in the short term, it also resulted in this guy's life being ruined yeah. and him almost ruining their lives. Yeah, no, it's great. Like, I I love that, like, his whole deal is just coming up to them and going, you helped the Borg. We were hanging back and waiting for them to be killed off by those other guys, and you helped them. Like, what? do you guys not get it? They are a huge deal here. Have you guys not heard of them in the Alpha Quadrant? Oh, right. They tried to invade your planet, too. Okay, so okay, so you do get it. Yeah. They're a big deal. There's one standing right over there. Hello. Yep. No, and uh, I, like, as a villain, like, we've we've talked many, many times about Star Trek and villains and how they don't And do how well they are terrible. Often. And how they are Balthazar Edison. <laughs> majoring in medicine. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how many people have reached out to us since we did our supplemental on the movie and said that you've lodged that you know, your song. You, in there. you know what? If this is my legacy, I'm going to accept it. Like, if my legacy is getting a shitty song I made up on the ride home from the theater stuck in the heads of thousands of people, then I've done yeah. I've done well in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, this this was actually a good villain. Like, mm-hmm. I bought even his goo like. Because usually there's that, okay, fake out, fake out. There's not really a Federation ship. Oh, here's the twist. Of course, he was just... And it's like a, such an elaborate plan, but I actually buy it because he's feeding on the thing he knows they want the most. Oh, yeah. And presenting what he thinks, like, oh, they can't read that message? I'll be the guy who can read the message, and I'll save the day. And it actually made sense. Mm-hmm. I'll actually, while we're on the topic, that actually ties into my bad thing. Okay. Uh, which is that Janeway passes what is a potentially top-secret Starfleet information onto Ray Wise pretty fucking quickly. Like, I know she's desperate, like, desperate, but he's been on the ship for ten minutes and has been basically vetted by Neelix. Oh, well, that's fair. Who? But what do you What do you think is in there that's top secret, though? I, th- that's the thing. They don't. They don't know. We don't know. Like, it could be anything. I guess that's true. like they're hoping it's some sort of way to get home faster, but they don't know. They like they have no idea what this is. It's coming from a top Starfleet admiral and they're just going to hand it over to Ray Wise. Like on the other hand, I mean, they are beaming it across the entire galaxy and surely someone's going to intercept it at some point. There can't be too much sensitive stuff. in. There. I mean, that's true. They but have to be ready for someone to find it before they it gets to Voyager. You know, I just it, 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 it feels like she was way too ready to be like yeah you you seem like a smart guy and neelix who i trust more than anyone else on this ship clearly thinks you're still our guide even though we're way deep into waters he's never been to before (laughs) yep i guess we've completely forgotten about that time he betrayed the entire ship accidentally Mm -hmm. what was that three weeks ago all right but uh no i'm just like here you, you take a look at this I'm just waiting for him to be all like, well, apparently you're in a war with something called the Dominion. I don't know what that is, but there's a lot of top secret information here I probably shouldn't have access to. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Like, I, the th- okay, let me ask you this. Do you think it was 
sloppy writing or do you think it was legitimately Kate making a bad decision? At this point, I think that Kate was desperate enough that I buy her doing that. Okay. Like, cause I mean, there's a, there's a difference between, uh, why would the writers make her do that when she knows better? Or no, she probably did make this bad decision, it, which is still a bad thing. The, it's just a different kind of, the bad thing, thing is it's not my, like I wouldn't have made that choice, but I can totally understand them coming like them coming from that direction. And I can like, I can absolutely see Janeway's character just being all like, We've got a guy who speaks languages. Fucking look at this code I've been I've been trying to figure out for the past six months. Yeah, and they made a point of saying like she she hadn't slept for like two days because she's just been constantly working on yeah. this thing. And and it is one of those dumb things where they haven't mentioned it in a while, and I wish they had. Mm-hmm. But, uh, whatever. I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? That's like it's TV. I know. It's nineties. It's nineties Rick Berman TV. Like that's true. And again, he had a hand in this, and I actually, despite that. Like, uh, enjoyed this. Yeah, no, I, look, problems aside, I thought this was a great episode. It really was. And I, the thing is, and I don't remember if it was this season or not, I do, because I wasn't watching Voyager at this point, but I remember occasionally, because I was kind of reading various sci-fi magazines, and at this point there were some rudimentary, probably AOL chat rooms or message boards or something like that. Like, I was, I was kind of plugged into some of the fan chatter and it i know there were at various points rumors that they were going to send voyager back home and continue the show with the you know with the same crew but sure. they'd be back home like it, it would basically just turn into like next gen right which would be fine once all the other shows were off the air mm-hmm. then it wouldn't be stepping on anything else and it could be like that ship that spent four years in the delta quadrant but now is home like like i could buy that as a premise my point is like it's not another, they're obviously never going to get home thing. It's maybe, like, if they float those rumors out there, it's kind of like when you thought Patrick Stewart might be leaving Next Gen, like, that suddenly made the Locutus thing a way more scary, because, like, maybe they will commit mm-hmm. to this. It's the end of the season. Oh, yeah. And, and, like... I'd like to think that's what happened here, where, like, maybe they'll get, actually get home this time. Yeah. And on that topic, I can pretty much guarantee that the, the ads for this uh, episode ran this week on Star Trek Voyager. The Voyager crew gets a brand new ship. Probably. Like, I could totally see people watching this episode and be like, oh, fuck, we get a new ship, and it's the Dauntless, which is not a great name. It's not, but I think it comes from, like, military tradition. I think it's, like, it's like the Defiant. It's, like, it's from the same list that the Defiant came from, oh, probably. Oh, sure. But, uh, okay, so let's talk about that ship. You apparently liked it. I like that ship a lot. Um, it's very unique looking, and I make a note here, it's very un-Starfleet looking, which actually yeah. makes a lot of sense as you get further into the episode and find that out that it's not actually a Starfleet ship. Right. Um, but, like, I, I just, I like the whole concept of them sending this, this ship with Slipstream, which is a thing I've actually heard about from, uh... Uh, Trek novels, so I just assumed it was. I don't know. They've actually brought it up in uh, in like Trek like episodes before. Mm-hmm. I just happen. Like, I just remember it from the uh, the Destiny trilogy when Dax's yeah. ship has uh, slipstream. Ah, okay. And it's a big no, deal. And in fact, in fact, Memory Alpha mentions, and they mention in this episode actually that Seven's going to try to continue to research the technology, mm-hmm. and so maybe even Voyager gets something like it before the show ends. Yeah. But, no, I like the look of it, and I like how non-Starfleet it looked up mm. until it's like, oh, it's not a Starfleet ship. Oh. Well, See, I, that I explains it. I did, it was too pointy for me. I don't like the the like the trend toward making, like, I, the Enterprise-E was too pointy for me. Like, I like, Starfleet ships are rounded to me. That's don't what they don't like. point your ships. You're going to ruin it. Well, also, the, the dumb sort of implication is... It's more aerodynamic. It can go faster because it's pointy, and that doesn't make a lick of sense. That doesn't make any sense, but it's totally something designers would do. Just, yeah, we made it. We made it like a pyramid at the tip, so it's, it'll go real fast through space. That's you know, not how space works, right? What? No, I. The thing is, I think they know that, but I think they think the audience subconsciously will think it's faster because it looks like something that would go faster. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's like. There's no sound in space, but it makes more sense to our brains when we hear them making noise. Oh, yeah, you know totally. I mean? Same kind of thing. But uh, I don't know. Like, I didn't I didn't love it. I did like the look of the inside of it, the uh, the bridge. Oh, that bridge is fucking cool. cool looking. Yeah, really nice set, I yeah. thought. Here is my super, super nitpicky, like, this is the nerdiest thing I've said on this show in a while. Give it to me, Al. This is why we have a podcast. The registry number was all wrong. Mm-hmm. 
It was NX01. Now, we know NX is uh, uh, what they do for experimental ships, like the Defiant was NX something. Sure. And I'm not nerdy enough to remember what it was. But uh, for- <laughs> It stands for not experimental, <laughs> which is a trick to... 982, but I'm probably wrong. It's but anyway, like, it, it's the thing is, it's NX, like, that's, and actually the... Uh, first Enterprise that uh, Archer, you know, from, from Enterprise yeah. is NX whatever. Something or other. Some boring but number. Probably 1701. What's the most boring number? Let's, we'll make it that. Yeah. Could be 01 for all I know, mm. actually. But the thing is, 01 would be the first one, right? Like, there, we know that the Defiant exists. We know that there have been other, oh, uh, fucking uh, the, the Excelsior was NX 2000. Sure. Like, there have been others. Like, and this is NX-01? That doesn't, like, again, super nerdy nitpick thing. But why would this be NX-01? Uh, just, what? I put that down to Ray Wise doing absolutely no research. I guess so. I don't know. They were still pretty convinced until they weren't. Every, t- every time someone who was helping him build the ship asked him a question, he would just cry and then beg them to dance with him. <laughs> will, you pl- singing. will you please dance with me? I just need someone to hold me. Yeah. But that, and honestly, my bad thing, since we're still sort of talking about this ship and the slipstream drive and all that, I wish they'd kept the drive because briefly they have it. Mm -hmm. They put it on Voyager and nothing says none of this matters quite like we got this cool new piece of technology that instantly disintegrated at the end of the episode. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. There's no reason in the world why having like a slipstream drive now that shaves, you know, 25 years off of their exactly. 70 year like if you, journey. If you make the, if you make their, their ride home still a really long time, just a less long time, we'd still feel like they've made progress, but it would still not invalidate the whole premise of the show. It would just be like, we're 40 years from home instead of 80. Years yeah, exactly. Like, like guys, it's a TV show. You're in season. F- you just wrapped up season four. You've got that means you get home in three years, theoretically. Yeah, you know it's going seven seasons because the other shows did too. Yeah, like th- that was just a rule when I was a kid: was Star Trek shows last seven seasons. Yeah, until Enterprise, which wasn't good enough to do that. Well, but yeah, but I mean, like, guys, y- you know the drill. Like, you don't have to be all like, "Oh, I guess it's all, it's still going to take us seventy-five years to get home." No, it could take like twenty-five now. And it doesn't change any, like, no. for the characters to just say activating slipstream drive instead of activating warp engine. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Like, and there's no other thing you need to change. And maybe, maybe they need to animate a slightly different acceleration effect, but they've already made that for this episode, so it's already there. Yeah, exactly. And I like that new, like, the new warp uh, yeah, thing they use in cool. this. The weird, like, tunnel thing that they use during the episode where they ditch Ray Wise in Borg space. Thanks a lot, by the way. <laughs> well, he had that coming. Well, yes, but still, he was gonna he was gonna drag them there, and instead they just let him keep going and left. I just love them ditching him, and he's just he sort of slumps down in his chair, and you hear the Ooh. Borg voice come up. You, you welcome to Borg space, loser. Yeah, we are Borg. You will be assimilated. Ah, fuck. Shit. Well, that's the end of me. This was gonna be so much better if Captain Janeway was my alarm. He used oh, to sing and Catherine. dance. You know, I understand. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was like, I, I liked a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I just wish, th- again, I wish they'd kept the, dr- like, it literally fell apart after they used it once. And it's like, come on, guys, that's so just, oh, we needed it for this episode. So we had it, but now it's gone yeah. again. Like, stop, stop reset button. Yeah. No, if season five wants to open with seven, just going, no, I fucking, while we were on, uh, while we were off for two months, I figured out how to make a uh, slipstream. We've That'd got that now. Well, she said it in this episode. She said, I'm going to be researching it. Cause it's similar to what the Borg use yeah. with their, uh, uh, what is it? Some kind of subspace something. I don't remember. Uh, did, did going fast in a box mode. Transwarp. Transwarp contest. There you go. That's a fella. That's what it was. And the thing is, it's similar enough to their technology that she already has a jump on it and she can research it. And that's great. That's that's good. Yeah. I would love to see that. Uh, let's see what else. There was a lot of good Seven and Kate stuff in this. Oh, yeah. I love their whole, like, um, they're, uh, they're playing some kind of Frisbee at the beginning and end. Oh, no, they're playing. It's like racquetball, but with phasers. Yeah. Where the ball bounces and you have to shoot it instead of hitting it with a racket, but otherwise it's exactly the same. And, and like, Kate kicks her ass, mm-hmm. 
And she's like, I don't understand. I'm physically superior to you. I'm younger. I'm more fit. How do you keep winning? How the hell did this happen? And Kate's like, and I have, I still have some Borg implants. So I have better like enhanced reflexes. How are you better? And she's just like, listen, I'm fucking, I'm Kate motherfucking Janeway. Well, she says intuition, which at first, like you could shrug off, which, which seven does Mm -hmm. like intuition's not a thing. And she's like, no, you don't understand. I'm, I hear things. I smell things. I feel like, yeah. I'm just taking my sensory input and processing it a different way. It's I'm I'm a scientist. I'm not saying it's magic. I'm saying like I'm, I'm paying attention to more factors than you are. I'm good at this. Also, yeah. you're super into like smug Borg mode right, right now. Yeah, but Kate beats her like six times out of ten or yeah. whatever, and it's great. And Seven's like, "Come on, let's go again." She's like, "No, you lost, and you got to learn to lose sometimes." Mm-hmm. And it was good and. It was a nice, like, where are we in this relationship thing? Yeah. At one point, Seven's like, I want to stay here. I, You keep wanting to take me to Earth, and I keep not wanting to go, and now we might actually be going. I, I don't want to go. I, I like her getting ready to bail thing. Like, I want to yeah. be clear on this. I love that the characters developed enough that at the end, the end of the episode, and they make a big deal out of this, too. Like, Oh, this is her arc through the episode. Yeah. Um, But, like, at the end, like, Janeway actually says, it's like, like you've been with us for nine months now, like, and you've come so far from this. I love that Seven's just like, uh, we're we're going to Earth. Fuck that, Bail. I'm out. No, I don't yeah. want to do it. But by the end, she does. Yeah, and I I like that's such a huge thing for that character too. When like they're heading towards Borg space, and she's like, "Fuck, I can't go back there, man." I like, yeah, I. <laughs> I would be really upset if I wasn't hit on by Harry Kim every morning. Well, no, no. The thing is, we know her relationship with Kate is something. Mm-hmm. Like, there's totally... And they hit the mother-daughter thing hard in this, which I like. Oh, I've, shit, I've yeah. always enjoyed that between them, and I continue to enjoy mm-hmm. it. I, in general, in Star Trek, I like parental relationships. Like, whether they're literal, like uh, Ben and Jake, or whether they're figurative, like Captain Picard and everybody. Like Ben and Nog. Yeah, yeah. I just I enjoy the captain as a parent figure to the crew. Yeah. And they, they hit it really hard, particularly with Seven, and I, I think they do it very well. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, like, teenage rebellion from Seven. Like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to stay here. And and Kate just like, yes, yes, you are. You're coming with me. Get on the new ship, goddammit. Shut up. Uh, shut up. We're going, <laughs> shut up. We're going on a road trip. You're coming on vacation, and you're going to enjoy it. God. Damn it! I don't want to come on vacation. I don't want to go to fucking. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna smile in the pictures too. I don't want just frowning and crossing your arms in all the vacation pictures. I don't want to go to Yellowstone Park. <laughs> you're gonna come and you're gonna look at this fucking kick-ass geyser. Yep. All right, that's a pretty kick-ass geyser. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. It's uh, but it, they they did some good stuff there, which I liked. Yeah. And also, it felt like a good, let's check in, like I said, let's check in on how far this has come. And the conclusion is, uh, okay, maybe I do want to come with you guys after yeah. all. Or at the very least, I don't want to stay here. No, I, I like them using this as like, you know, this is the first seven year, and yeah. uh, let's check in how she's doing. Yeah. No, it was good. It yeah. was a good way to tie up the season. Like I, And I, I also actually, like, I joked about it, but I, I like that they didn't end in a cliffhanger. Like, I, I often enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But occasionally it's good to just say, and this is the thematic end of the stories we've been telling this yeah. season. And this season started with us bringing Seven on board, and here's how that all wraps up for now, and we'll pick it up again next year. Yeah. And like, it doesn't always have to be, oh, God, what happens next? It's more just like, you well, know, no, that's the end of this season. Yeah, we're moving on, and we'll move on some more when we come back. Yeah. It'll be like fine. It. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good great. season finale and not what I expected. No. Which is good. I'm glad when they can keep me guessing. Yeah. Because too often it's just I can tell you exactly what this episode of Voyager is going to be about. It's going to be about 40 minutes long and it's going to piss me off. And it's going to be you're going to think it's almost over and check and there's still going to be 20 minutes. Left. Oh, man. That didn't happen this time. No. This is an exciting, interesting episode. Yeah. And it's it's that great mix of action and cool sci-fi stuff but mostly character mm-hmm. stuff it just hit that sweet spot for me and again this is the dreaded writing team this is all three people i do not want to see on yeah. script and there is there is a complete lack up. of brian fuller in this episode to balance out the the, the, the yeah. three stooges here well the thing is braga and minoski write a lot of crap together but then rick berman the boss mm-hmm. the guy who usually undermines if anyone anybody on the staff like 
favorite or not, yeah. comes up with a good idea, he's usually the one that says, no, we can't do that. Well, Rick Berman is the one I trust the least. He's the one that's yeah. all into fucking, like, super gay panic mode and shit. Yeah, don't, don't put gay people on the show. You want to put gay people in here? Fuck that. I'm afraid of gay people known for being uh, for being progressive, but let's not go crazy. Yeah, though. no, there's such a thing. There's progressive, and then there's progressive. And, there's uh, taking an e- a chance ever. Yeah, and, you know. Listen, I'm Rick Berman, and I'm terrible. Yeah, he's basically terrible. So I don't know what he contributed to this, but like, there's almost nothing in here I didn't like. So yeah, you know, that's good. I'm not gonna say good job, Rick Berman, but nice work, Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski. Good, good job, team. You I'll guys, I'll send you guys a letter. He gets like the, when you're working on a school project and he's the one who clearly didn't pull his weight, but his name is on the project, so he gets the A, too. Yeah, yeah, me. Me in high school. <laughs> That's fair. Um, there's a, There was a nice little scene where they're talking about possibly getting on the Dauntless to, to ride the rest of the way home. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, the, you know, this, this ship is built for speed and it's much smaller we're going to be cramped and there's not going to be all the amenities. There's no holodecks. There's no mess hall. It's all straight like rations and like it's going to take a month or whatever to get home, but it's also going to be not comfortable. And I love that Seven and Tuvok are the two people who can handle that. And oh, yeah. all the humans look, you guys are you, you guys are humans and you're used to soft, cushy, you know, playing on the holodeck all the time. And you're not going to get that over there. Like it was just it was a nice detail that yeah. like, I liked like, oh, yeah. You're not going to have the same cushy bullshit you always get. Yeah, please, please tell me that that boarding the Dauntless means that we don't get another fucking holodeck episode. If if for the next three seasons we never stepped on the holodeck again, I'd be fine. With yep. It. That's not going to happen, but I would <clears throat> love that. No, we're going to step on the holodeck a lot more. The thing is, it won't have been invented yet on Enterprise, and I bet they still have a holodeck somehow. Oh, I'm sure. That's just how that show works. I can guarantee it. Yep. All right. Uh, we're at about the hour mark. So you got anything else? Uh, no, I think that's everything other than I like, uh, Ray Wise's double phaser. I didn't notice that. Oh yeah. He shoots a phaser and it's got a gun on both ends of it and it shoots two he's beams. He's got a gun on his gun. Yeah. He's got a gun on his gun and his knife. Wow. So he's got one up on Shinzon then. Yeah. Good you hear that him. Shinzon? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. How about that? Yeah. Still, still, I think we, and we talked about this in our, uh, review of, uh, Star Trek Beyond. We didn't like the villain in that, but Shinzon's still the worst villain in Star Trek. Would you agree Absolutely, with that? he's the worst villain in Star Trek. Worse than Cybok? Absolutely. I'll fight anyone on that. Yeah. Shin- oh, nobody will fight you. I have seen, like, there are a lot of Star Trek people we don't agree with. Mm-hmm. People who don't like the J.J. Abrams movies, which is fine. I, I get it. I don't agree with yeah, you, but no, I get I it. I disagree, but yeah, fine. I understand that that's not what you want from Star Trek. That's fine. There are people who don't love DS9, which I don't understand, but okay, whatever. You're wrong. But I there are people who only like the original series, but I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone defend uh, uh, Insurrection. No. Uh, uh, Nemesis. 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 Yeah. I've never seen anyone uh, defend Nemesis as like a really good movie. Like I've never met one person who thinks that. Yeah. Uh, if you think that, write in, but you may be ridiculed. So uh, Yeah, I did. Uh, you will be ridiculed. Uh, you know, I don't want to be too mean to our listeners, but I just, you know. When it comes to this. Probably will. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'm willing to argue with you on who the best Trek villain is, but when it comes to the worst... Yeah, that's fair. It's definitely not Balthazar Edison, I'll say that. Balthazar Edison, majoring in medicine, going to... a different one every time. (laughs) You did that one already. I did. All right, my quote is a nice little snarky seven moment where... uh, Well, here, here's here's what she says. In case I never get a chance to say this... I realize that I've been hard on you at times, but it was never out of anger or regret that I brought you on board. I'm your captain. That means I can't always be your friend, understand? No. However, if we are assimilated, our thoughts will become one, and I'm sure I will understand perfectly. A joke, Captain. You yourself have encouraged me to use my sense of humor. Which I quite liked. I did too. Just uh, enjoyable. Uh, so that's it for this season. That is it. Uh, we we are past the halfway point on Voyager. We have less than a year to go, so that's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it really? Well, we got three more seasons. And then, yeah. yeah well, we're not thinking about that yet. All right. Not thinking about that yet. Just just working on what we got ahead of us here. 
And um, uh, with it being the end of the season, we are doing a supplemental episode next week. Yep. We will be answering your mail. If you would like to write to us, it is postatomichorror at gmail. We would absolutely love to hear from you, answer yeah. any questions, concerns you have. We will also be live streaming that recording yep. on the morning of August. Uh, uh, something. I say? It's dark in this room and I can't see my uh, my calendar. But uh, and mine August, isn't open. Saturday, August something. I want to say uh, is 12? it the tenth? I think it's the tenth. Whatever the Saturday is of that week. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think it's no. Sorry, thirteenth. I can see it now. August thirteenth. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, is a Saturday morning, and I don't know when, what time, whenever we get up and get rolling. Yeah. But we'll we'll commit to a time and let you guys know when we're going to be streaming it. And we love like we've done a few of those now, and it's a lot of fun to mm. interact because. You send us questions, we answer them, and then maybe you send another question in, we'll answer that as well. It's a fun time. Yeah. And you can and you can look at us. You can look at our dumb faces reading into microphones. Yes. Yeah. My Spock cookie jar may appear. Yeah, could be. Yeah. We will uh, maybe I'll bring the paw flag to put behind us. There you go. Show our paw pride. Anyway, there's lots of trek crap to talk about, so you know. Absolutely. Scare up some damn questions and let us know. Uh, we we already have a whole uh, mailbox full. In fact, haven't listened to it yet. Waiting for our first reactions. But uh, uh, Richard, who has written us many a great song, he wrote the song about Keiko. He wrote the song about Rom. Has sent in a new song, and all I know is that it's called Special Boy. Oh boy! Looking forward to that. Yeah. And like I say, I want to get our our first reaction on mic, so we haven't heard it yet. But uh, I'm excited to hear that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be next week. Until then. Uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.